Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you'll turn them to Genesis chapter 29. Uh, somebody sent me, if, and again, if you were here last week, you, you, you kind of went with me in how the mind works sometimes. And uh, we talked about how Jacob may have, we, the Bible didn't tell us this, but Jacob possibly was trying to show out for Rachel, this, this hubba hubba, you know, uh, moment that he had. He saw this, this beautiful woman walking with these, her, her flock, and uh, this beautiful woman happened to be her cousin as well. Now, for us today, that's really, really, really weird, but at that day and time, it was the way that the world was being populated. So, um, she's coming. You know, the, there's already some shepherds there. They're not moving the, the rock off the well to water it, and Jacob, you know, maybe takes this opportunity to show off and so I said, no, you can imagine, you know, he, he rips off his shirts, flexes his muscles, and pulls the rock away. And we know the Bible doesn't say that. And so somebody, uh, I think Monday, sent me a text and, and kind of helped us with a visual image of maybe what that might have looked like. And so, you know, I thought, you know, that may be what happened, you know. Um, and so they sent that to me, and I thought, well, I, I wouldn't picturing him in the whatever that thing's called sumo suit or whatever um yeah he had clothes on yeah so uh but i thought it was uh, i thought it was a, a good humorous moment there but uh the couple things we did see uh the points last week were this number one god directs our steps as we walk by faith and the second one was this god disperses his blessings at perfect times and in perfect ways and we'll, t- we'll talk about a little bit more similar things uh, today that we've talked about before. Uh, but what we have seen is that Jacob was led right to Rachel. Again, he could have gone anywhere, to any field, to any well, but God had led him to this well. He was smitten with this girl. He kissed her. He pronounced who he was. She turns and runs back to her dad and tells her dad uh, what happened. And we know that Laban invited her or invited him to stay with him for a while. Now, I want to also to remember that Jacob is Joseph's dad, and that's where we're at. If you saw on the, the uh, slide before, we're going through this study that we've t- entitled Life, and we've gone, gone back and have been looking at his lineage. We've been looking at uh, Joseph's lineage, and we started with how Jacob stole the blessing and, and the birthright. We've kind of been watching this as a family movie along the way learning about him. Again, eventually we're going to get to his life, eventually get to Joseph's legacy. Matter of fact, this morning we might get to the point where he uh, is actually born, Joseph is actually born. Uh, But again, seeing so many different important things along the way that I think has helped us uh, today, thousands, 3,700 years later, still helping us today. So uh, let's pray, and, and I want to jump into this and see what God has for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for allowing us to be here. We thank you for what we've already experienced, Lord, the opportunity to worship you in song, the opportunity to give back to you tangibly. Lord, we thank you for uh, the time uh, that we have here today as we've already thanked you for, Lord, the freedoms that you've given to us uh, through uh, the men and the women who have sacrificed their lives uh, to afford us these things. Again, we know that it comes from you, but using uh, our, the men and women of our armed forces uh, is, is such a blessing to us today. And we don't want to take that for granted. We want to uh, 
Uh, thank you for them. We want to honor their memories. We want to be grateful for their families and lift their families up. And uh, we ask that you would just comfort them and, and, and encourage them today. Uh, I know as we are thankful for it and, and we are, uh, we're sober about it as well, it's something that for most of them probably still hurts. And so we ask you just to minister to those who have lost their loved ones. And Lord, we pray that you would move this morning in this message. Uh, just speak through me what you want spoken, God. We want you to get all the glory from all of this, Lord, because it's you and you alone that deserve it. And so, Lord, I also pray that if someone's here that's lost, they've never placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, that they would do so before they leave this place, making sure that they receive that gift of eternal life and ensuring that heaven's going to be their eternal home. Lord, we praise you for all this, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Genesis 29, we pick up in verse 15. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? Now, I, I, I look at this and I think, wow, what a deal. I mean, Jacob has, again, come into a really sweet opportunity. He walks in, uh, walks into this field, finds this woman, finds the, the woman of his dreams, and he kisses her, tells her who he is. She runs back, tells her dad. Her dad says, hey, stay with me. But listen, I don't want you just to stay with me. I want you to work for me. I want to, I want, I want to pay you for it. What, what you, tell, you name the price. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if all employers were like that today? You name the price. I want you to work for me. You name the price. Now, I realize that some are like that. But for the most part, you say, here's what I want. And then they come back and say, here's what we're going to give you. You know? But Jacob is like, this is, this is a great opportunity. So Laban had two daughters, verse 16. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. We already have met Rachel. He's already kissed her. But he explains what these women look like. Leah was tender-eyed, or she was weak-eyed, and, and Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, Listen, I will serve you for seven years for, your, for Rachel, your younger daughter. Now, we look at this again, and we think, well, what's wrong with tender eyes? I mean, w w that's a good quality, right? Soft eyes, tender eyes. Well, uh, uh, apparently, this was something that wasn't as appealing to Joseph or appealing to men in general. Uh, Rachel, on the other hand, we would think maybe would be, we would say she's bright-eyed, and she, you know, she was just visually, she was stunning. And again, coming over that hill with those flocks, Jacob was smitten with her. Uh, for Leah, maybe a little more subtle and, 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 and just soft in her eyes and her appearance and all those things. And so Jacob was drawn to uh, Rachel. Now, I want you to also notice in Scripture, there weren't any other factors mentioned about them. We just see, first of all, that Leah has soft eyes and Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. When I look at that, and I see how this was basically analyzed by Jacob and, and even written and inspired under the Holy Spirit, I think we can say that we can all see a little bit of Jacob in ourselves in what was going on here. You say, what are you, what are you talking about specifically? I think we see Jacob was 100% in it for himself, what, what he wanted. And, and I think that's the way that we operate oftentimes in this life as well, what we want. And, and when I say this, what I'm talking about is surface value only and temporal value only. Because that's what the Bible says, that, that from the appearance of things, we didn't hear anything about uh, her heart 
or her, her, her demeanor or uh, her, her speech. We didn't hear anything about her personality. We heard nothing about those things. We just hear that on the surface, Leah had soft eyes, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And again, I think we look at our lives, and, and even especially we're talking about 2018 and spoiled America, I think that's kind of how we approach a lot of the, the decisions that we make. Man, what's going to benefit me right now? What do I want right now that's going to make me happy? You know, think about this. We all know the reality. Beauty fades. As time goes on, Rachel's not going to be quite the beautiful and well-favored woman that she was when she was younger. Leah, on the other hand, may go the other way. You know, well, she's not that whole lot to look at right now, but when she gets older, she's going to be surpassing her younger sister in beauty. But again, we don't hear any of that. We don't look at any of that. And again, as we talk about what the decisions we make in this life, oftentimes that's kind of how we're wired as well. But that's been the story of Jacob's life. Even in, in his vow that he made to God in this dream, that, after the dream that he got, it, it was a temporal and I think, again, we can be that same person, all about me, all about myself, all about now, all about what works for me. And as I stated last week, we can look at Jacob's life and say, well, it doesn't seem quite fair for him to just continue to go down this road. I mean, so far he's done nothing but lie and steal and cheat and, and, and do all these things. And apparently he still gets everything that he wants. Nothing goes wrong in his life. And now he's walking into a situation where he's offered, what do you want? Well, I want, I want the, the younger, beautiful one, the one that's well-favored. Now he's just getting the girl. So the first thing I want us to understand when we consider this situation with Jacob, how he's lied and stealed and cheated and, and got all this stuff still, and now he's getting the girl. First thing is this. We have to remember that God is a gracious God. And the things that God does sometimes and allows for, we don't understand. You know, just the, the ladies were singing that song a while ago. His daily sufficient grace. I mean, there are things that, that you know, why, why would God allow us to do the things that we do? Nobody in this room, nobody on this earth is worthy to even call upon the name of the Lord, let alone to do anything for God. Yet it's in his grace that he affords us that opportunity. And so God's grace is an amazing thing and it's something that we can't fully fathom. But the other side of it is this, he is a just God. So when we look at what is going on with Jacob and we, we consider, it looks like he's just doing whatever he wants to do and getting by with everything that he's doing wrong, we have to remember that God is an absolute just God. So when we think, well, maybe he's getting by with something, or maybe we look in our life and we think, man, I work with somebody, and they, 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 they filthy mouth, and they treat their family bad, and they do this, and they do this. And yet they seem to have everything that anybody would ever want in this life. How is that fair? I mean, I'm trying to live for the Lord. I'm trying to be careful about my testimony. I'm trying to take care of my family. I love my family. I treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. I'm trying to live my life right. And it seems like I struggle. We struggle with everything, with, with finances. Our relationship is always a struggle. We struggle with, with this. We struggle with health. And, and, and it just doesn't seem fair the way things are going. Again, we have to remember that God is a just God. His judgments, his, his, everything is right about what God does. He does nothing wrong. And we can't forget this. It's the second thing, which is actually the first point this morning. Something, I've, again, I mentioned earlier, I've talked about already, but it's this. The consequences of sin are real. The consequences of sin 
are real. Anybody that has, unfortunately, whether it was by choice or not choice or whatever, has gone through uh, a divorce, you know the consequences of sin are real. You have made choices or you're in a situation where you've you've done something and, and, and it's a lifelong thing. You realize, again, they're real. It doesn't mean that God hates you. It doesn't mean that God... Uh, doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that that God is being unfair to you and 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 or, or yeah, unfair to you and and all those things. It doesn't mean those things. But it means that when we are in this life and we do things that are against the law of God, which the Bible calls sin, we realize that those that sin has real consequences. So what does it look like for Jacob? Again, here he is. He's he's. He's done all these things that are wrong and bad and supposedly made this deal, this vow with God after this dream. And the the vow itself even seemed conditional. If God's going to bless me, if God's going to lead me, and God's going to do this, then I will trust God. I'll go God's way again. And it just seems like, man, what is, this doesn't seem fair. So what does it look like for Jacob? Verse 19, Laban said, it's better that I give her to you then I should give her to another man. So abide me. Stay with me. Okay, we got a deal. Let's, we, we, we've made the deal. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had to her. Can we all say together, aw, aw. Hey, guys, men, this is a cue. 20 years with you, and they've just seemed but a day. You could take that note. I mean, use it. But if your wife or your fiance is here, say, hey, you got that from the message. What is it, though, on the other side, though? That side. 40 years. And it seems like 60. No, no. Don't say that ever. No amens either. Quiet down. But, the, but this is, this is uh, again, uh, something gives us insight to how smitten Jacob was. Jacob was absolutely smitten with her. I mean, can you imagine every day he's out in the field and he's working, he's working the flocks, he's doing all this stuff for seven years. And I want you to also think about this, too. When we consider, because we're going to get to this in this next point, when we consider what he was doing, he was serving with a vision. He was serving with joy. He was serving with all these things and seven years went by like that because of what he was motivated for, what he was, what he was focused on. The, the, the prize was worth it, and we've talked about that as well. But it was seven full years. Sometimes we get going in our life, right, and we're serving God, and we're trying to do the right thing, and a year goes by, and we're like, oh, when is God going to do so? I've been serving for a year. A year! <laughs> You know, Jacob, Jacob had this joy, this purpose, this vision that he was serving for his, his, his soon-to-be wife. And seven years were like that. You know, oftentimes, and we've talked about this too, we even talked about it last week. The, 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 the blessings of God are in perfect, they come in perfect ways and at perfect times. And sometimes we can rush God or try to rush, try to rush God, try to rush God's timing. And we can get impatient and we can miss the blessings of God along the way. 
Jacob serving for this purpose in seven years, he said, were like a few days. Verse 21, And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. It's a big, big banquet. Here we go. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. Whoa. Now, a, a few things. Seven years must have all of a sudden seemed really long for Jacob. Again, he, he, his first response was, seven years, they're but a few days. But now there's a banquet, now there's a party, the time has come. And either, first of all, he, he is coming off of that high and seven years are, are, are taking its toll. His mind, his eyes, his body, something has, has failed him. Or maybe the candles in the room weren't burning as bright as they needed to be. Something was wrong. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jacob got out of hand at the feast. Had a little too much to drink. Maybe Leah just went in and stayed quiet. Either way, something, right? I mean, something's wrong with this. I mean, seven years you've got your eye on this young lady that you're serving for. You, you, you know who you love. You know the sound of her voice. You know this, probably the smell of her hair. You know all of these things about her. Seven years you're serving. Seven years you know, I cannot wait to marry this woman. And then in one night, all of a sudden, you forget I mean, I, I don't think so. Something had to be up. Something had to be up for Jacob to be like, either that or I, I don't know. The reality was he was duped. He was, he was absolutely duped by his uncle. And this dream of marrying a woman of his dreams had turned into a nightmare. So, so we look at this situation and I'm thinking, hmm, was, was Jacob really, I mean, did he have too much to drink? Was, was the room too dark? I'm thinking no, right? For those of us who are married, no, it's not. The, the, the night of consummation, the night the, of, of your wedding, it, it, there's no confusion, right? This is my husband, this is my wife. <laughs> there's nothing wrong there. But for some reason, Jacob, here we go. We had have, we have some kind of confusion the night of the wedding. And again, I find it interesting that we look at his life and he's seemingly getting by with everything. He, he's, he's, he, he's cheating, he's lying, he's stealing, he's, he, he's doing all this stuff, and it's, and it's just good, 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 good. Why is this fair? Why is this fair? He, he goes, and, and finally, it's something that has purpose in his life. Finally, this is why I've come out here. My wife, this is what it's all about. This is what, I'm, well, this is what I've come for right here. And with Laban, his uncle, Jacob ran into the means of his discipline. God had had basically turned the table. The same way that he got what he wanted was the same way that Laban was going to get what he wanted. And Jacob was facing the consequences of his sin in this situation. Someone might ask, well, how could Laban do that to his own nephew? How, how, could, how could Laban willingly say, you know what? I love you, my nephew. Come, you've served me for seven years. We made a deal. We shook hands. It was all good, good. How could Laban do that to his own younger nephew, his sister's son? The question was asked about Jacob 
with his brother and his father. With his mom's help. And get this. Now with his mom's brother doing it to him. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that, isn't that ironic how that worked out? I mean, here, here's his mom conspiring with him to, to lie, steal, and cheat. And then the tables get turned, and it's, it's still in the family, that deception, that lying. It's coming from Laban, Rebekah's brother, turning the tables on Jacob now. Consequences. They're real. Someone might say, well, yes, finally. Jacob finally got what he had coming in his life. And again, maybe there's some type of justice or some kind of joy that we find in this to see that finally Jacob paid for the wrong that he did. But I would say the discipline and even the consequences would be used of God to help build the character that God would need inside of Jacob. You see, we look at it from a fleshly and temporal perspective and we just say, finally, yes, he, he lied, he still cheated. Now he's getting the tables turned on him. And our fleshly justice says, yes, that's amazing. But again, we're going to look as we go on in the study and we're going we're to see that even in all of this, God can use this just like even in our lives. And I want you to listen. That when we deal with the consequences of our own sin and we deal with sometimes the, the, the justice and the, the judgment and the discipline of God in our life, God wants to do the same exact thing in our lives. He doesn't want to just sit by and say, see, you're paying for what you got. No, God allows these things, I believe, in our life as to match up with what his word says. But number two, to develop the character that we're going to need to be the person that he wants us to be down the road. He said, I just want to get out of this, though. I hate the consequences of this sin. I, I want to be done with this. Look, maybe, maybe you say, you know what, God? I made the choices. You say, yeah, but I didn't make this choice. I, I came into this situation. Now I'm dealing with the consequences of somebody else's sin. Well, then just like the sails and the wind, just yield yourself to the Lord and say, God, develop in me through these negative circumstances, through, this, through the, the consequences of sin in the world. Maybe not my direct sin, but the consequence. Develop in me the character that you want. Develop in me the, the, the mindset and the hearts that you want through this. And if it is discipline, God, show me what I'm supposed to learn. God, help me be strong in this area that I was once weak. Again, it's the case for us. I think oftentimes, though, we can take the discipline and miss the lesson, right? I know that's seen in, in, in earthly examples, right? You can, you, can, you can take that child and you can try to explain to them and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to get a spanking or you're going you're gonna to be grounded. And sometimes that child, after that spanking or after that grounding, you can tell that they're still cold and they're still hardened and they haven't learned a thing. Amen? But I think that's the way we are sometimes too, as adults. When God corrects us, when things come upon our lives and, and we're being disciplined of God, we, we don't like it, we don't want it, we're, we're done with it, we hate this, we don't, we're, not, we're missing the, the point in the, les, the lesson in the discipline. We don't learn from it, we don't grow from it. We just remain cold. We go through consequences. And again, deal with them sometimes for the rest of our lives and miss the lessons through all of it. Or, as I said, we can allow God to grow us and develop the character within us that he desires 
so that he can use us for his purposes. And again, it's never fun, right? We tell our kids that. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And they're like, you're a fool. You know, that spanking doesn't hurt you. It, yes, it does. It, it, you know, we tell, we've told our girls before, look, I, I don't want to do this. I've shared the, the awkward, weird thing that I have with our girls. I, you know, I've, I've gone in to, to give them a spanking, and there they are, crying, upset, and here I go, starting to smirk. I'm not doing it because I'm happy, and I tell them that. And that's probably a psychological thing that I have to deal with later in life. But um, <laughs> I tell them, I'm grinning, but I'm not happy, you know. And I guess it's a, a nervous reaction, but I, I tell them as evidence, I don't want to do this. I, I, am, I am not happy about this. Again, look, if it was something I took pleasure in, I think I would be angry, and, you know, but it's not. It's something I don't want to do but I want to do it because of my love for you. It's never joyous. That's what the Bible says. It's, it, it's not, the discipline from God is not enjoyable, but the fruits that it is to produce bring glory to his name. So I'm going to ask a question this morning. Are you here and, and in your life right now, are you dealing with discipline from God? I so, said, you know, I've been dealing with this situation. I never even thought that maybe it was God disciplining me. And I've just been going headstrong. I've just been trying to make my own way. I've just been trying to bullhead my way through and, and, and not even being sensitive to the fact that maybe God's trying to correct me. Is God disciplining you? Or maybe you're here this morning and you know for a fact that, that you're dealing with some consequences of sin. But secondly, I, I want to ask this. Are you learning and letting God do in and through that what he desires in your life? Or are you just begging for it to be over so that you can get out of the, 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 the unpleasant situation? God, I just want it to end. I just want it to be over. I'm sick and tired of this. I hate dealing with this. I hate thinking about this. I hate all of this junk that is going on. Is, is, is that what you're doing? Or are you saying, God... You know this is not pleasant for me, but here I am. What do you want to teach me through this? What do you want to show me through this? I mean, can you imagine if our kids did that when we went to discipline them? Or, or, or after we, we, we spanked them, or after we corrected them, or whatever the case may be, that they came to us with that type of maturity? Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to learn the lesson of that. If my nine-year-old daughter said that, I said, we're, we're done with spankings. You know? <laughs> I, I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to learn how I can avoid this. Whoa. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. But we don't expect that from kids. But when we hear it from, from us and our relationship with God, it, it would make sense. God, what am I supposed to learn through this? My life is miserable. My life is difficult. It seems like everything's being pulled away. It seems like I've lost everything of value. God, what do you want me to learn in this? I want my heart to stay right. I want my mind to stay right. I want to stay right towards you and towards others. And I want to learn the lesson that you have for me to learn right now. Can you imagine maybe how quick we would get through that? And somebody say, oh, I'm going to do that today. No, no, it's not like a quick fix. It's a true state of the heart. It's a true state of the mind. You've got to get to that place and it's got to be sincere. That means that you've got to be willing to say, as long as it takes, 
I'll stay here. Look what happens in verse 24. Laban gave, gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his, his maid for a handmaid. <laughs> and it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. I mean, can you imagine Jacob? I just cannot imagine the situation, you know. I, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, listen, Jacob was already kind of off, you know, anyways in his heart and his devotion. Maybe he's come to a place where he's, he's starting to trust God, but it seems like very superficial. He seems like a very superficial person. All those things seem to be the case. And so in my mind, for some reason, there was a feast, there was a banquet, there was a party. In my mind, I'm thinking, it had to be something that he drank. It had to be something that he just got a little out of hand at the party because there's no other, I mean, human explanation that I can have that he just goes into the room, candles or no candles, light or no light. I mean, I'm thinking, you know this woman, but she's not the one that you consummated a marriage with. It was Leah. So he wakes up in the morning, and it's the older sister. I mean, just picture in your mind his reaction. I'm thinking, that, that's just, it's a mind-blowing thing. He wakes up, you know, maybe he did have too much, his, his head's hurting, and, you know, he's, he's scrubbing his eyes, he sits up, sun's starting to come through. He looks over, and he's like, oh, my goodness. Whoa, whoa, jumps out of bed. And he, he, he steps back, he's rubbing his eyes like, oh, no, what's going on? What happened, you know? I mean, he's thinking in his mind, this is a nightmare. Why is she here? Versus Rachel. And that's pretty much how he responded. <laughs> Came to pass the morning, behold, it was Laban. He said to Laban, what is this that thou hast done to me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel, serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And I wonder this too, you know, as he's saying this, he's, he's, he's confronting his uncle. He's like, how in the world are you okay with lying to me and deceiving me? And as those words came out of his mouth, maybe conviction came to his heart. Maybe he didn't show it. Maybe the Bible didn't write it. You know, we don't have it written down. But surely he made some connection. That's the way I've been living my life, and now it's happening to me. Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. It, it, it wasn't right, it wasn't uh, lawful that the, the younger daughter be married before the older daughter. It had to be the older daughter married first before the younger daughter. So he tricked Jacob, and Jacob got double trouble. He got way more than he bargained for. Can you imagine that? Because he still wants Rachel. Like, that's the woman of his dreams. That's the woman he came to marry. He got deceived. But the reality is now he already has a wife, Leah. So now he's going to say, look, I'm not going to settle until I get what I came for. Maybe in this, though, Jacob would see how his brother felt. Maybe he learned that lesson the hard way. Maybe this is how Esau felt. Maybe this is how I'm, I made other people feel when I deceived them. And Jacob's ways were brought right before his eyes. The divine principle come right to the forefront. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So what happens? Laban says, okay, I got a better deal for you. <laughs> now that you're married to my older daughter, we can work this out. And I'm going to make it real, I'm going to make it easy on you. I, here's how it's going to happen. 
Verse 27, look, just fulfill her week, the bridal week. Just, just fulfill it. Take care of it, and, we'll, uh, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou also serve me uh, with yet another seven years. I'll give you Leah right now. I mean, you, you take care of the, the, the bridal week with Leah, and then I will turn around and give you Rachel. I mean, you still got to serve me for seven years because that's the price of, 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 of uh, my daughter. But you can have her right now. Jacob did so and fulfilled her work, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. Laban gave to Rachel his daughter, uh, Billa, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel and loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. Jacob maybe learned a few lessons in this, but he was committed to the prize. And regardless of, of right or wrong, regardless of, of, of human justice and, and, and God's justice, we, we, we see something, and it does teach us something about God's grace or in God's grace, and that's point number two, and it's this, the commitment of service does pay off. So again, we know that God was, had, had a divine plan for Jacob. We know that God, God had chosen Jacob. We know that Jacob was on this path. God showed up to him in this dream. God was saying all these things to Jacob. We know that, God was, uh, that Jacob was along this path. And Jacob, while he, again, learned some hard lessons, got deceived, dealt with some consequences of his sin, we see that Jacob, again, was focused on this prize. He was focused on this. But even, even through all of this, he remained committed to the job that he was given. He remained steadfast. You know, the world has a completely different view of commitment, doesn't it? We look at the world today, and it's usually accompanied by some type of worldly explanation or expectation or even some type of worldly psychology that's included in the world's idea of commitment. I would say this, that commitment, much like um, truth, has become, for the world, has become relative. Truth is not relative, and biblical commitment is not relative. You're either committed or you're not committed. And I think as a character trait, you either are a committed type individual or you're not a committed type individual. The world says, no, commitment can be relative to the situation. Commitment can be relative to the benefits that, that you get. So despite what commitment actually means, because the world has this viewpoint, we have a challenge to its meaning in our life today. That's why I, see, I think we see so many single-family homes. That's why I think we see so much divorce. Still. I think that's why we see uh, so, so much distrust even in politics. I think that we see so, 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 many, so many points in culture and life are, 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 are falling down because I think that we have taken this idea that truth is relative and that commitment is, is relative. I read an article where a lady said what she believes that commitment, what she believes commitment means. She said that she believes that loyalty, reliability, devotedness, and it also is this. It's not quitting when it gets boring. It's not quitting when it gets challenging or when it gets discouraging. If you're asked this question this morning, what is the number one cause that you're committed to? Think about it, and we're about to close. The, the number one cause in your life, look at it right now, evaluate your life in just, a, in just a couple seconds. What is the number one cause that you are devoted to in, in all honesty? If you were to answer that question, just answer in your own heart, your own mind, what would that cause be? What is the number one cause you're committed to? 
I would ask a, a follow-up question. Does your commitment and does the commitment and what you're committed to have biblical backup? So we look at Jacob. He may have been motivated by various things. He, he, he may have been motivated by um, Rachel's beauty. He may have been motivated by, by his male desires. But we have to factor in the fact that he did make a vow to God, whether it was superficial, whether it was conditional, he did make a vow to God. Again, as I said a while ago, God had chosen him by God's grace to use him for God's cause. It's just a perfect illustration of our life, even still today as the children of God. We didn't choose God. God chose us first, that, that, that we, are, we are the children of God only by God's grace, and it's only by God's grace that he wants to use us and for his cause. Again, so it's a great illustration of what our life looks like today. And I think that's a big word to consider when we're talking about this, is, the, is commitment. The word I, I think is important to consider is motivation. What was motivating Jacob? As I said, well, go, it could have been a, a number of things. But I believe our motivation in our life today is a huge factor in our commitment. Motivation can be various things. I think that we can find motivation in several different things. We can find motivation in what we believe, in what our convictions are. We can find motivation in our covetousness, what, what we lust for, money, love. I mean, all kinds of things can motivate us in our life. And I think that we can even be motiva motivated by eternal rewards and even temporal rewards. But when we look at what we're committed to in our life, Something's got to be motivating us to stay committed to that cause. As I'm committed to providing a good living for my family, I'm, I'm committed to having a financially free life, a financially debt-free life. I'm committed to having a, a healthy life. Again, we look at the life of overall, overall, I think that we can say, you know what? We should all be committed to the cause of Christ above all. But let's be honest and evaluate our lives. Is that what it is? Is that the number one cause that we're committed to in this life? I believe commitment is also married to, if, not, if it's not married to, it's just dating, discipline. So when we evaluate what motivates us, I think that we've really got to zero in on this commitment. And to do that, it's always connected with discipline in some way. What's keeping us disciplined? Because if there's no discipline, there's not really true commitment. Even if someone's arguing and saying, I'm not motivated or, or committed or disciplined to doing anything. All I want to do is lay in bed all day and sleep all day. Maybe teenagers say, look, I'm not motivated for nothing. I just want to stay in bed all day and play video games. Look, I would say you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely motivated and you're absolutely committed to your laziness. Your own desire. It pleases you. That's what's motivating you. That's what's driving you. And I will say this. It takes a measure of discipline to be that lazy. It does. And I would also say that commitment many times can be connected to character. But mostly when we're talking about virtuous endeavors. It takes commitment. I'm sorry, character to stay committed to a right thing. It takes character. This is what God's called me to. This is what God has called us to. This is what the kingdom of God is about. And I'm committed to it. 
musicians make their way. At the end of the day, as I said, Jacob was chosen by God. Part of God's eternal plan of salvation. And the interesting thing is this. So are we today. We are, we are still chosen as part of God's eternal plan of salvation as the children of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a lively stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Look what he says. Ye also, as lively stones, as, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. This is why you were made alive. This is why you were given God's grace, to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Wherefore, it's also contained in, in the Scripture, Behold, I lie in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, those of you who are Christians, he's precious. But of them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed. The same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Even of them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Listen to verse 9. But you, as believers in Jesus Christ, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises. This is why you've been chosen. This is the character, this is the nature of who you are. This is what you be committed to. You should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which did not obtain mercy, but have now obtained mercy. You and I are that chosen people. You and I are supposed to be committed to that. We're supposed to be committed to him, to his purpose, committed to serving in his kingdom. And the question this morning as we close is this, are you, are we, are we those people that are absolutely committed to his cause? And I would ask this, if you aren't wholly committed to the king and his cause, what's keeping you from being that? Is your job, is money, is family, is activity, what's keeping you from being 100% committed to the cause of the king? What this morning would you need to change if you're not? And here's a harder question. What would you need to sacrifice to serve him better? Look at your life now. Am I wholly committed to Christ and his kingdom? They said, well, probably not. What's keeping it? What, what do you need to stop doing? What do you need to start doing? What do you need to sacrifice? See, Jacob was committed in a service, and it paid off. What's keeping you from being wholly committed in the service of God that's going to yield great payoff now and in eternity? I want to encourage you this morning to take care of it. Maybe it popped up first thing in your mind. You knew it in your heart. This is what's keeping me from wholly serving Christ and his kingdom. I'm so preoccupied with my job. I'm so preoccupied with my hobbies. I'm so focused on money. I'm so focused on, on stuff. I'm so focused on this. I'm so focused on this. And I'm not giving Christ all of my commitment. Maybe just lay it down at this altar this morning and see what God won't do. Paid off for Jacob. 
in God's grace. I promise you, in God's grace, it pays off for us. Commitment to service. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you again for this time. Thank you for your word and these reminders in your word. We realize the consequences of sin are real. We realize also that commitment to service pays off. Lord, you tell us that there is a reward for those that are steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in your work. It's not a vain effort. There's rewards at the end. Lord, help us as a church. Help us as your people. Be that chosen generation. The chosen generation that is, that is fulfilling what, what we're called to fulfill. Showing forth your praises. Pointing others to you. Being dedicated to your kingdom above our own kingdom. Being, being dedicated to your kingdom above the kingdom of this world. Lord, help us leave this place today as we consider the sacrifices of men and women that have given us the freedom to live for you, to serve you so freely. Let us think about our commitment. Help, help us to evaluate that this morning and to give our all for your cause. Lord, I ask you to move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.